0: Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, I'm gonna, Darren says this. He's going to keep that going until April just to see how long you guys keep saying it back. Um, listen, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which do you want first? Yeah, see, I'm sure you've I don't actually have any. Um, bad news is that was just a setup for what I'm about to say. Um, I'm sure you've been asked that question before, right? Oftentimes, when we have good news, it's tempered with some type of bad news. Hey, good news is it's going to be hot tomorrow. Bad news is your air conditioning stopped working. Good news is it's going to snow, right, kids? Bad news is that's on a Saturday. (laughs) Good news is you just landed your first real job out of college. Bad news is your student debt's coming due real soon. Good news is you landed a date with your crush, right? Man, that's exciting. Bad news is you have a huge pimple on your face. Good news is you got $1,000 back on your tax returns. Man, bad news is you need $1,200 worth of repairs on your car. (laughs) Good news and bad news are regularly tied together. On the same coin, we get this amazing feeling, but on the flip side is that dread of the but also statement. That's the way life works, good and bad, in almost all scenarios. We've come to accept it, right? We all live in one of those places You're an optimist who always looks at the good in everything. You're perpetually positive, or you're a pessimist. You look at life from the bad point of view. Everything is negative. You know who you are. Which place do you live? Today I want to tell you that I've got good news. I want to get your 2024 going with good news. And the really good part about this good news is that it's probably the best news you'll ever get. Because there is a place that when we understand it correctly and we allow God to move in our lives, we can reach the good news and never have to worry about giving ourselves over to anxiety about the other side of the coin. And that place is in the gospel of Jesus. Gospel is a word you have probably hear a lot if you come to church or if you talk to To churchy people, maybe you've never heard it. Well, honestly, I think it's probably better if you haven't actually had any preconceived notions of what gospel means. Because we want to better define it for all of us. First, and Nathan said it in his video, good news, that's what gospel means. Literally, the word is defined as good news. It comes from a Greek word, which is euangelion. You angelion. It's made up of two words. The word angelos, which means one announcing news. And that prefix that comes before it, that eu, which means joyful. Literally, gospel is news that brings joy. Good news. Life-changing news. History-making news. And this news of Jesus was first shared by those people who interacted with, who were led by Jesus himself. This is what we find when we read these first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You see, these are narratives about Jesus, and they're called gospels. Why? Why are they called gospels? Because they were the first to share the joyful news of Jesus in writing. They were the ones who spread the good news of Jesus' work with the world. Yet what I want you to know is that the good news itself was actually brought down and first proclaimed by Jesus. Look at this in Mark chapter 1. It says, in verse 14, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. See, Jesus came to share good news. Mark says it. He went into Galilee, right, to proclaim the good news. And the important part of this passage is not that just Jesus was sharing good news. No, it was actually that Jesus was sharing what? The good news of God, because the truth is, there's a lot of good news out there. Good news for us, which truthfully can sometimes be bad news for other people. Hey, good news, man. I was walking through Target's parking lot, and I found 50 bucks. It's pretty good news, right? Well, then I ran into this woman inside who said she had lost $50. I felt really bad, so I gave her $10. <laughs> Hopefully she finds that up 50, you know trying to help her out that didn't actually happen (laughs) y'all I wouldn't be that kind of guy I'd probably give her more I'd be like here's your 50 and here's a 10 for your trouble um see we all have definitions of good news but they're not all the same situationally not all good news is always good A pregnancy for one family can be joyful, and for another woman, it can be scary and it can be unwanted. The death of a loved one sometimes comes with both grief and sometimes it comes with relief when that person was hurting and suffering. And see, the gospel, the good news that we talk about, sometimes has been misunderstood, it's been misexplained for hundreds of years. And so let's start this year off right And I want to start just by telling you some things the gospel is not. Because I think there are some conceptions out there of the gospel, and I want you to know what it's not. First and foremost, the gospel isn't a history lesson by itself. It's not intended necessarily to be an exhaustive historical retelling of a life of a man who many people just admired. I mean, those things happen. They did happen. But the point of the Gospels is not just to give you a history or just an education of Jesus. The Gospel isn't about what we can do to be better believers or children of God. It's not about what we do to earn our salvation. This isn't a prescribed set of rules that leads to a well-lived life. Gospel isn't just some type of advice See, we tend to treat Scripture as advice, right? Well, I'll take these things to be true if they fit the narrative that I, that I want to tell. It's not pithy words that can be leaned on in times of trouble or to justify the actions that we take. The gospel isn't a live however I want and then get forgiveness mentality. Although Jesus forgives our sins, listen, the gospel doesn't say that we're supposed to live a life of sin without any consequence. This isn't meant to just say, just be yourself. Just be true, to, stay true to who you are. Listen, folks, sometimes the truth says we are not who we're supposed to be. We're broken, we're sinners, come closer to Jesus. The gospel, I'm going to tell you, isn't meant to make you comfortable. Actually, just the opposite in most cases. It should make you feel uncomfortable, especially at first. It should challenge what you thought was true. It should push you to want to be more than just what everyone around you says you are who you're supposed to be. Finally, the gospel isn't just for you. When Jesus came, he came to seek and save the lost, he said. And the truth is, we are all Lost. We are all sinners. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of what God created us to be. That is why Jesus came. And if you believe the gospel is only for certain people the self righteous, the rich, the elite, the powerful, the rule follower then you've misunderstood the gospel. So, what is the gospel? What is the good news of God that Jesus proclaimed? Because God's news is different than our news. That's right there in that passage in Mark. Look at this. The time has come, as Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. See, Jesus came to proclaim that his father's kingdom had come down. He was ushering in a new kingdom, a kingdom of heaven here on earth. And that means something important. You see, when a kingdom of any type comes into another place, what typically happens is it takes over. Think of historical battles, right? I mean, the Romans are are known for their conquering of kingdoms in the time that they existed, right? They conquer kingdoms. This is actually who the Israelite people, this first century group of people, this audience, they knew the Romans as an occupying kingdom. They understood this idea of a kingdom takes over. When a kingdom shows up, they take over. So when Jesus says his father's kingdom has come, what he's saying is, God is in charge. I am in charge. And not the way we think in earthly terms, but in much more profound ways. God's kingdom means that his ways are the only ways, his truths are the only truths, his words are the words we must hear and obey. Because for us to really understand the gospel, for us to really believe the good, news of Jesus then we have to first understand that God's kingdom is the only kingdom that matters Jesus says repent and believe and repent literally another churchy word right that you may have heard before it's a word that literally means turn back from the way you were going Jesus says my kingdom is here Stop living like any other kingdom matters. Believe in my kingdom. Believe in what I can do, what I will do in your life. When we understand that Jesus and God are one person, then we realize that Jesus is first king and second our savior. And when we recognize and submit to the former, to the king, that allows us to experience the work of the latter, the Savior. And when we acknowledge that Jesus is king, that makes a difference in our lives. You need the king and Savior. That's our big idea for today. When you read these gospels, you will eventually learn that Jesus gave his life for us. What we find in the Gospels is this, that we're all sinners, right? We have I know that's a troubling idea for many of us. We sometimes like to skip that part, right? Uh, You know, I'd love to talk about, I don't like talking about sin. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about grace. Those are a lot more enjoyable. Folks, I'm just going to tell you right now, without sin, none of this matters. We are all broken. We've all messed up we're all hurting, we're all lost. And if we go way back to the beginning of God's design, we see that when sin entered in, it separated us from God. There was a divide there. We were no, no longer able to get to God on our own. And even though we deserve death, God wanted to be with us so bad that he made a way for us He sent Jesus to live a perfect life, and then he gave that life as a sacrifice for us. And the truth is is that Jesus was and is a king. Let me show you what I mean. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. And if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app, listen, the words are going to be on the screen here. You can see that. Um, But if you would like a Bible to start reading in 2024, we'd love for you to get one. We've got them available for you for free at the Hub. You can pick one up. It's a gift, okay? Stop by there after service, okay? But let's look together at this right at the beginning of the gospel that John wrote right here in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning... Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. John says that Jesus was the word. That's the phrase he uses. The word, or the Greek word logos, is a decree. Logos is a decree. It's a declaration, a word spoken from God. And John starts this by defining this is Jesus, the one who was with God. Now hear me, this is important. Not a creation of God. It says he was and is and forever will ever be with God. Jesus and God being one. That's a tough concept, and I'm going to just be truthful with you. We're not going to be able to fully understand it. But what we see is that Jesus isn't less than God. He is the creator of things, He is the ruler of all things. Life comes only through Him. He is King. You need the King and Savior. And yet there's more evidence of kingship of Jesus in these gospels. I mean, if you still got your Bible, turn with me over to Luke chapter 3. And in Luke 3, what we find is is Luke is someone who didn't know Jesus the man. He didn't know him personally as a man. He only knew Jesus from the disciples who had known him, and they had led Luke to, to Jesus the Savior. You see, Luke was a guy who received the good news of Jesus from someone else. And he made it his mission to share that good news with others. And he wanted to give people certainty. That's why he wrote the beginning of this gospel. He said, I want you to be certain about what you know is true. So he went out. He interviewed those people who had interacted with Jesus. Those people who were there. The people who knew him. Who were healed by him. And in chapter 3, Luke kind of shows you this narrative of Jesus' baptism. And it says, like he first talks about how John the Baptist is is out baptizing people in the name of God. He is commanding people, turn away from doing things the old way of doing them, right? He's using that repent word. He's, He's aware that the Messiah and the King is coming. And the people are asking, hey, John, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And John the Baptist says, "Ah, it's not me, right? But there's someone coming who's so much greater than me. And John says, this person, I'm not even fit to get down and untie their sandals. And then Jesus shows up, and John baptizes him in the Jordan River. And Look at this passage in verse 21 of Luke chapter 3. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. God opened up the heavens and anointed Jesus. He acknowledges that Jesus is the son, right? He crowns Jesus a king. You may not see that because it's not like an earthly crown made of gold, but he crowns him with the Holy Spirit. Folks, this is the truth of God's kingdom. Jesus came to usher in the truth. And listen, we may be tempted to let our truth permeate this story. Remember, the gospel is not whatever we want it to be. It's not our version of the truth that matters. This is the really, really difficult thing in our current and probably previous condition. We believe that our truth reigns. Whatever I believe to be true is true. No one can question another person's truth. Be myself, be true to my own identity and beliefs. I can be a workaholic and still have a good life. I can let drugs or or alcohol dull the pain and anxiety I'm feeling. I can and should be able to decide what is acceptable and permissible in my life. And without being standoffish or rude, this is a complete and total lie sold to us from the pit of hell. There is only one truth. There is no personal truth. There is no version of the truth. The truth of God is constant. And here it is at the end of the passage that we read from John. In John, verse John, verse chapter 1, verse 16. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. See, what we know is that Jesus came to save all of us. That is the truth, the only truth that matters. He came to give his life for all of us, to wipe away our sin, to face death, defeat death, and then make a way for us to live eternally with him. It is only through him that we can have a relationship with God. During all the bad news that we know of this world, that we experience of this world, Jesus offers the only good news that brings us hope. And that truth compels us to live a life of devotion to him. You need the king and savior and the truth of the good is the good news is for everyone and the gospel is worth sharing with everyone and some people may think that the gospel and this is this has happened i mean i understand the the concern here people think that it's either for those who already believe right that it's written for those who already believe or that it was written for those who don't yet believe right it's for both It's for those of us who believe to continue to encourage us. It's for those who've not yet heard so they can know what the real good news is. And we have to realize that we don't just need a king or the Savior, right? That's important here. The and, that word and is important. Because all we get is a king to rule over us then we may never really truly understand the need for the Savior. We may look at Jesus as a dictator and think that by following the king's rules, then we'll get into the kingdom. No, what we need, we need the king, right? We need to understand that his kingdom reigns, not ours, not any government, not any other person or agenda, his kingdom. But we also need a Savior, We have to realize that each of us struggles in this life for a lack of king to rule our hearts and a truth and a savior to rescue us from the religion that we think will give us the right acts of service or obedience to rules to try to save ourselves. We need a savior to release us from the standards set upon us by this culture. We need a savior to release us from the bonds of death The good news is world-changing. It's life-altering news of a brand new reality that we live in. And this is a gift of grace from God given through the sacrifice of Jesus. See, the gospel is about following a king. It's about receiving his grace. And it's urging others to follow him with you. This isn't a king who demands obedience just for any reason, just because that's what he is, right? He demands our obedience because he has proven himself trustworthy by giving his life on the cross. He's the one who ignites your heart because of his love for you. This series that we're in, it's going to be a long one. I'm just giving you a heads up. It's going to open your eyes. It's going to allow you to see Jesus through a new lens, to see him in a new way. And it's going to, it's going to ignite, I believe, the fire in your heart to, to follow him. How is this going to be good news to your life and your neighbor? See, the good news is that Jesus came to fulfill exactly what we need. Not what we think we need or what we want, but what we couldn't do on our own. Jesus made a way, despite the questions we have, any misunderstandings, despite our sin. He altered our realities now and for eternity. You need the King and Savior. And because of this need, I want to challenge you to do a couple things. Some challenges I have for you throughout this First, if you haven't accepted this good news, man, I urge you to do it today. Don't start this year off without first accepting that Jesus came and died for you. He forgave your past. He forgives your sins. He wants you to be his son or daughter. Come, up, come find me today. Come talk to me. Come pray with some of our prayer team or elders that will be down front here at, during this next song. Pray with them. Accept that Jesus gave you this gift. I mean, Aaron mentioned it. we're going to be baptizing people next week who've who've accepted this, who've said, I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life over. I'm ready to let Jesus be my king. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe you've never done that. Come find me today. She said it. Come find me. You can't miss me. I'm in this orange sweater. Mm. But take that step. Don't miss it. Second thing I want to say is we want you to grow in your understanding of the gospel. And to do that, we believe that growing in in community is with other believers, right? The Apostle Paul, in many of his letters, encourages the churches he wrote to, said, continue to meet together, to grow together. This is what's important, right? So I'm challenging you here to watch online or be here every single week from now until Easter Sunday, Easter is the last Sunday in March this year. We commit to that. We commit to being present with us. Then I want to challenge you to grow closer with other people too. Life groups are going to be kicking off here real soon. And I'm going to tell you, life groups are a wonderful way to grow in your understanding of the gospel, to grow together with others, because you're doing that with other people. People who have the same questions you do, people who are experiencing some of the same life stuff that you're experiencing. That's what life groups do. They are our primary growing and connecting spot here at White Oak. And we want, I'm telling you, I want every single one of you in a life group. Even if this is your first Sunday, man, you're invited. Starting next week, we're going to have signups available for groups. We're going to have that available to you. And many of those groups will be going through some material that might be focusing and taking a deeper dive into what the gospel really means, what they mean to everyone. I'm personally in a group. It's a huge difference in my life. So we commit to doing the same with us. Finally... The last challenge is to do something that these men of Scripture did. The guys of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these guys, they either met Jesus themselves in their lives or were changed by the good news of what Jesus did for all of us. And hear me, they didn't take that news and hold it close. They didn't build a religion around only letting those who knew him personally enter into the kingdom. No, they took the news and they didn't know anything else to do but to go share that with other people. To bring others into that joyful news. So I'm going to ask you now that you know, who will you tell? Who in your life needs to know this? Who needs this good news? That's what we're supposed to do share the good news. Right now where you are in your mind, just where you're sitting right now, think of one person in your life who needs to hear this news. And I just want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes right where you are, man. Just bow your head because we're going to pray. We're going to do it right now. We're going we're gonna to take a moment. And in your mind or you, know, you say it out loud, I don't care. I just want you to pray for this person. Pray, first and foremost, that they will be open to hear the good news of Jesus. And I want you to pray. I want you to pray this morning for yourself. Pray that God will encourage you, that he will give you the opportunities to share that good news, that he will open the doors for you to speak that, that joyful proclamation into the life of someone else and that you won't miss it, that you won't miss the opportunity to share that news. Father God, we we are so overjoyed at the news of your Son coming to earth that Jesus came to save us from the depths of sin and death, Lord, that you sent him as our Savior and that the, the, the punishment we deserved, he took. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you do each and every day in our lives. And today, Lord, I just pray for the people in this room, the people watching online, the people who couldn't be here with us. I pray, Lord, that they see the opportunities to share the news with others, that their hearts and minds would be open to what you want them to do, and that the hearts and minds of those that they have prayed for this morning, the ones that they have in their mind, the one that they're going to go after for you, Lord, would come to know you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.